Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Willoughby, and also one other awesome person. I mean, we do always have awesome people when we have guests, Um, but I'm happy to be here, Lyndon. We're playing through one of the more fun sections of the game so far. Honestly, this section has been really fun for me. Um, Just a general good time. So I'm excited to be here, talk about it, and also excited to have our guests back on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I definitely echo your thoughts uh, in terms of this section of the game definitely enjoyed the heck out of it we will talk about that more later certainly but before we get around to that matt i'm gonna let you do this this week why don't you uh, tell everyone yeah no i uh, it's a lot of responsibility but i trust you i believe in you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah okay. okay why don't you let everybody know which one of our incredible rotating cast of guests is ah, on this yay, episode. I feel so honored. I get the spotlight. So today, everybody, we have our wonderful friend Sam O'Neill back on the show, Nintendo fangirl, as most of you may know. We are very happy to have her. She is a great friend of the show, a great uh, streamer, content creator, TikToker, as she likes to mm. uh, claim sometimes. So we're happy to have her. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. We are always happy to have you on. You always give us some great conversation. So I'm going to kind of throw this out there. As of today, which is a Wednesday, we always record on Wednesdays. You were actually streaming this section of the game today, I believe. Is that correct? I don't know if she, you weren't streaming today, were well, you? Well, technically, <laughs> I started streaming about... I think 7 p.m. Eastern last night, and I definitely didn't finish until well into the following morning. I think it was around 2 a.m. So technically, I was streaming it today. Yes. So Lyndon (laughs) Lyndon and I tuned into your stream yesterday when you were playing Farron Woods, and we were like, oh, she's supposed to be on the show tomorrow for our Lanero mining section. I I wonder if she's going to get there. And, And did you? Did you get there? Oh, I did get there and I finished it. Ah, look at you. That's a marathon (laughs) gaming session. Yeah, it really, really was. That's like six-ish hours of gaming if I had to like rough estimate that. More than that. I think my game, so I started, my file was at two hours and 22 minutes. When I finished last night, it was at, I think, seven hours something. And right now it's at almost 10 hours. Yeah. So yeah, about eight-ish. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That is that is a whole chunk of Skyward right there. I, I, I <laughs> it was killing me because like I tuned into your stream and I was like, oh my gosh, because I, I was about to fire up the dungeon and play through it last night, and I was like, ah, oh, Sam said she was going to stream. I'm going to log in and see kind of where she's at and how she's you know tackling the dungeon and all that. And I fired it up, and you were like talking to the Kikwis in Faron Woods, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, so as a podcast Oops. host. Yeah, like as a podcast host, my first thought was like, okay, it's cool, but maybe I'll need to like approach this from another angle. Like now, Sam, give me your general <laughs> thoughts about how how uh, how excited you are to play the linear mining yes. facility. <laughs> to be fair, this is my third time playing the game. It's my first time playing the HD version, but I am familiar with Skyward Sword, so I wasn't going in completely blind. I, I kind of knew what I was doing, <laughs> but... <laughs> 
I definitely needed the refresher because there's so many things I forgot about. So I'm glad I I finished. I feel like and correct me. We'll get into this more later. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. I feel like this is one of the sections of the game that would have. It it certainly sticks in my memory enough Mm -hmm. to where I feel like I could having not played it for a year or two, go talk about it with somebody and be decently accurate. Yeah, I think so. And part of the reason why (laughs) when you asked which section of the game stuck out to me to talk about, this was my first choice. Yeah, and it really it really was an excellent one. I was like, you sent that message over to me. I was like, good pick, Sam. Good on you. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, as as a fellow Skyward Sword lover, which I know you are, and so am I, and so is Lyndon to to his own extent. Um, where would you rank this as like within the section of the game? Would you say this is like top five sections of the game? Like, I don't know. Where, where do you uh, kind of throw this one? Uh, I would probably put it. Definitely top five. I would I would probably say second, actually. Oh, all right. That's interesting. Well, now mm-hmm. I have to ask, what's what's your number one? The final boss. Mm, well, okay, well, that's fair. We'll just leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. That's, good. <laughs> that's a good pick. That's all good. But you, but you know what, Matt? You are putting the cart way before the sacred rooms run down. You're right. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Can I can I do that? Can I do the housekeeping too, or or is that a little too much? Well, yeah. But first, I want to ask Sam how she's doing. Okay, well, fine. yeah, I'm, I am getting a little ahead of myself. I'm just so excited <laughs> to have responsibilities. <laughs> you, you give them an inch, you takes a mile. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I got uh, way too many games to play and there's more coming out, more Nintendo stuff coming out in October that I don't know how I'm going to keep up with it all, but plenty busy. So is it kind of because, I mean, like like you say, there's it's a busy back half of the year coming up. Um, but streaming and content creation is kind of a thing that you do part time in addition to a day job. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, does that kind of like take the pressure off of you a little bit like you don't necessarily have to get it all done? To an extent, to another extent, I am still a Nintendo brand ambassador. And so when Nintendo reaches out and asks if I want to play a game, then I feel the pressure to stream that game in some form and i never turned down anything from nintendo so but interestingly skyward sword is not one of the games that they gave me so i got to play this one on my own time really that is interesting yeah i wonder if they just were kind of banking on skyward sword getting enough coverage i I guess kind of on its own you know yeah i'm not really sure how they choose it might have just been like yeah we know she's gonna play it so (laughs) we don't really have to give it to her yeah who knows how these giant corporations do anything, really? We're all just right. kind of left in the dark and kind of guesstimating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Sam, this is Nintendo. We would like for you to play WarioWare three times this fall, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually really enjoying WarioWare. I played it more than Skyward Sword this week, believe it or not. Oh, Dang. Wow. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that's an endorsement for WarioWare or a drag on Skyward Sword. Well, a whole different kind of game. That's yeah, fair. very, very yeah. different. Yeah, I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about WarioWare. Mm-hmm. So and then, you know, we've got Metroid Dread coming up soon. Oh, I mean, yeah, it'll be fun. Ugh, geez. I'm ready. Wait. Well, I'm Did not ready, mean- actually, but <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, going back to our <laughs> earlier point about not being not yeah. being caught up on video games. Um did you manage to snag yourself an OLED switch to play that on? I did. So, so did I. Look at you. 
I was like, I pre-ordered it. And at the time I'm thinking like, do I need another Switch? Really don't. But also I'm a Nintendo fangirl, so I should probably get it. And so I mean, I'm probably going to keep my pre-order. The answer to do I need another video game, video game console, video game hardware, et cetera, et cetera, is always yes. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, my thing was I was kind of back and forth on it because I upgraded to the bigger battery model switch whenever that came out. I don't know, year, two years ago, whatever, and really like it. Um, but the whole thing was with with the OLED switch, the, the SWOLED, um, <laughs> people were saying that especially people who play primarily in docked mode, they were disappointed because it didn't really bring a whole lot extra to the table for them. Mm-hmm. However, if you're a primarily handheld player, then yep. – yeah, the extra screen space and the OLED display bring kind of quite a lot of quality of life improvement to the table. And uh, and I play my Switch almost exclusively in handheld mode. So I was like, Me yeah. too. Yeah. The lack yeah. of bevel alone is just like, it's so clean. It really is a lot like when the iPhone dropped the bevel and you can just like tell immediately like, oh, this is like such a cleaner look. I like it. It's yeah. futuristic. It's, mm, it's wonderful. Well, and you guys know the the coolest and most important thing it does, right? Uh, You're about to say something Ethernet? I'm, I'm not sure. Myself for it. <laughs> well, the the switch logo on the dock lights up. Oh yeah, I'm actually really excited. That about actually kind of cool. Okay. I miss that was less ridiculous than I was thinking. And whenever Lyndon says something like that, I always brace <laughs> myself for something that's totally off base and ridiculous. But that was actually, you know, it was it was pretty good. Thank you. I have a fun little little update that just launched on the Switch. Uh, when you're tweeting from the Switch, for the longest time, it had a 140 character limit. They finally fixed it, and now it's 280 characters. You can tweet Yay. from your Switch? Yeah. How did I not know that? That's amazing. Why would you know that, Matt? I don't. I mean, I don't tweet a lot, so that's a great question. I don't know why I would know you that. Can, but, yeah, you can really always cool. open your uh, photos and your videos on your Switch, and you can either post them on Facebook or Twitter or send them to your smartphone. Well, that's cool. She's right. Also, with this new update, you have Bluetooth audio capability, which yep. is a bigger deal for me personally. I love it's, how it it's was a pretty always, big deal. No, it's huge. It's huge. But I do love how it was always, I guess, because I think I always assumed that it was impossible from like a hardware standpoint. <laughs> and I love that that's apparently not been the case. Nope. And that all they had to do was a software patch and now we can use Bluetooth <laughs> like everybody else. Thank you, Nintendo. Never change, Nintendo. <laughs> Never change. Oh, man. It's all it's all part of the, the Nintendo mystique and charm. So yeah, that's true. Cool. All right, Matt, I will now allow you to do the <sighs> housekeeping. Yes. All right, guys, we're about to get into the meat of our episode. But before we do so, a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks that we know of. Mm, preach it. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game and then we sit down here to, t- to talk and drop our hot takes. That's strike one. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. 
If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, head on over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to bonus episodes, write in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. Also, our bonus episodes are now available on Apple Podcasts via the subscription uh, that they have. So if you want some Sacred Realms but don't feel like going over to Patreon, head on over to Apple and hit that subscribe button and pay a little bit of extra and you'll get some uh, bonus episodes. I think we have, what, nine now? I, I, I forget the exact tally. Uh, nine or ten. We shoot for four per season. So, And there's some really good ones in there. And I get one every season that I get to run. And we call it Terminator Realms. And it's amazing. I'm giving you a strike two just because you're so smug about that. You didn't do anything wrong, but like <laughs> you're upsetting me right now. So. Fine, fine, fine. All right. So that is the housekeeping. And I will turn it back over to our normal master of ceremonies for uh, the rest of uh, everything else that we go into before the plot, uh, before the rundown. Ably done, Matt. Ably done. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, anytime. Matt, we got to do a giveaway for these Skyward Sword Joy-Cons. Oh, duh. We forgot to mention that last week. We were supposed to do that last week. Yeah, I bought... That's a big giveaway. It is. I bought an entire extra <laughs> set of Skyward Sword Joy-Cons to use as a giveaway on the podcast, and they just have been like sitting on a shelf, and I keep forgetting oh, to do no. it. Lyndon's got baby brain. We can all forgive him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I really do. So we do have a giveaway. It's been a while. We did some posters last time. This time, we've got a set of the limited edition Skyward Sword-themed Joy-Cons that Nintendo put out. Um, they were infamously hard to get in pre-order status online when they first went up for sale. I think that they were a little easier to find uh, once they actually hit their street date, but still, uh, they're definitely, I don't know that you could just like walk into Target and pick them up. So um, we do have a set of those to give away if you would like to win a pair of Skyward Sword Joy-Cons. You can do one of several different things. For any of these things, take a screen grab of you doing it, email it to us at sacredrealmspod at gmail.com, and uh, doing multiples of these things enters you multiple times to win the Joy-Cons. So, um, and, and just by the way, if you're sub to us on Patreon, you are automatically entered once to win these. So, boom. There you go. So, you can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, uh, sub to our Patreon, I had another one. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, or leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or Google Podcasts. We are wherever you can leave five-star reviews for the show. Uh, doing any one of those things, sending us a screen grab and emailing it to our email account enters you one time to win those Joy-Cons. So if you haven't done any of those things before, you could potentially get like five entries all at once. Look at that. So you can leave us a five-star review anywhere of your choosing. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, sub to our Patreon uh, that's four right there. Am I missing one? I don't think. I, yeah, you can get four entries automatically. Yep. So there you go. Go and do that. Send uh, send those screen grabs to us. And I'm going to leave that up for two weeks, I think. So not the Thunderhead episode, which is the next one after this, but the Ancient Cistern episode. By the time that one goes live, the contest will be closed and we will announce a winner. That will be September 29th, by the way. Cool. Cool. Okay, let's get into the meat of this episode, which is where we talk about what we played this week. That, of course, takes place in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six-part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we are covering Skyward Sword Chapter 4. Yes, it's yes, 4. four. Yes. Okay, cool. I always have to think about we it. we had the intro chapter that wasn't an actual dungeon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Skyward Sword Chapter 4, which includes uh, the Lanayru Desert and the Lanayru Mining Facility. Part 1 is always 
the plot recap. It's usually read by Matt. Matt, it's all you. That is me again. All right. Let's get into it, guys. We return again to our home of Skyloft, and we approach the statue of the guardian goddess Hylia with the amber tablet in hand to show the way to the next step on our quest. As we return to the chamber of the sword, we place the amber tablet in the shrine to light the way to our next location. Just as before, a beam of light pierces the cloud barrier to show the way to our next location, the desert of Lanayru. After a brief stint around Skyloft to help our neighbors, and we pick up some handy goodies, uh, handy goddess chests, and upgrade some gear, we head down to the newest area of the surface world below. The desert is a completely alien landscape to either the sky that we call home or the other areas of the surface that we have seen so far. On the descents to the surface, we see a vast wasteland of sand and dust and wind, spotted here and there by metal structures and gigantic sculptures that have eroded in harsh winds over countless centuries. As we land on a metal spire, Fee tells us that we have arrived in the Lanayru mine area of this region. The path ahead is flanked by statues of cute-looking robots that have seen better days. The mine itself is in utter disrepair. The carts are rusted and basically stuck to the ground. The metal is corroding and the place is littered with fallen clusters of rock. The arid atmosphere has utterly dried out any vegetation and the only living things that can be seen are keese, choo-choos, and cicadas. Moving through the facility, we see a strange purple stone and following our natural instincts, we smack it with our sword. The entire area around us changes instantly and springs to life. Even the crumbling ruins of the robots come to life and start going about their mining operations as if they hadn't been crumbling piles of rocks mere moments earlier. The conveyor belts and machinery whir to life with gears that turn smoothly, and rupees appear out of thin air as if the mining operation had just turned them up. Fee tells us that the stone, which is what the robots appear to have been mining for, are called time shift stones, and appear to shift the surrounding area back in time by a couple of centuries to when the mining operation and the land itself were very much alive. This allows us to utilize the seemingly futuristic technology and progress through the mine to continue our search for Zelda. Any area not influenced by the Time Stones is still an arid death trap, and we have to cross rivers of quicksand, battle dangerous electric monsters, and bomb tons of things in order to progress along this dangerous path. Finally, we exit the mine and look out onto the vast expanse of the Lanayru Desert. The desert sprawls for miles, flanked by imposing bluffs, within, and within the valley below, there is a shape much like a wheel with many broken spokes. The area is also filled with monsters, quicksand, and some tumbleweeds. More time stones can be found all around the area, and they show us a glimpse of what this once luscious land was like in a distant past. Some of these time stones unfortunately bring to life aggressive bokoblins with electric weapons that prove fairly difficult to defeat. One time stone in particular brings to life one of the mining robots along with a couple of nasty bokoblins. Once we save the beleaguered robot, he upgrades our beetle for us so that it can grab things and carry them around. We use our handy upgrade to maneuver around the area by bombing things remotely, and we leave the immediate area of the desert and come to the outer area of the Temple of Time. However, the way forward is blocked by a collapsed wall and is completely impassable. We backtrack to a new area of the desert valley that we just left and make our way to the most inner circle of the wheel shape. There we find a giant ancient mechanical dial that, when affected by the time stone, becomes the locking mechanism to raise the entrance to the Lanayru mining facility. 
through which we can access the Temple of Time. First, we must find and activate three stations around the structure and align the dials to the corresponding locations. After venturing all over the valley and activating the three power stations, we use the mechanical dial to raise the entrance to the subterranean mining facility at last. Entering the facility, we find that the centuries have been no kinder to this place than to the desert outside. However, time stones can be found here as well, and they help us to move through the facility and towards our goal. The facility is infested with monsters of all kinds, including some new cyclopean scorpion things. The mining facility is a veritable death trap of bottomless pits, rivers of quicksand, electric monsters, and ancient mechanisms that have a variety of new attacks. We battle flying orbs that shoot missiles, pillars of stone that shoot beams of electricity, and even jumping pillars that try to crush us underneath their feet. Part the way through our explorations, we come across an ancient device called the Gust Bellows. This device helps us clear away the centuries of dust from many of the gears and mechanisms that we need to progress. It is also a useful tool for uncovering treasure and moving some of the floating platforms that are needed to navigate the seemingly purposeless bottomless pits scattered throughout the facility. After navigating through this facility, we come to a room with two of the new Armos enemies, and upon defeating them, we find the key to unlock the final door. Taking this golden statuette, we proceed to the giant door at the far end of the main room. Upon entering, we find a room completely covered in sand and seemingly entirely empty. But soon we feel the sand shifting beneath our feet, moved by some unseen creature of immense size. A gigantic scorpion bursts forth from under the, from the sand beneath our feet, screeching a blood-curdling cry of pure rage and hunger. We join battle with this monster and soon find that its shell is nigh impenetrable. However, as the creature grabs at us with its bone-crushing claws, we see that each claw has a single eye at the center. We lash out at these glowing orbs over and over again until the claws are destroyed, revealing the main eye of our foe. However, our foe is cunning and uses the deep sand to burrow under us and attack from below, while simultaneously summoning its little baby forms to attack. Using our new gust bellows, we uncover the creature and force it out into the open so that we can attack. Finally, the foe is defeated. As the foe dies, the sand drains away into the bottom of what turns out to be a giant pit, lowering us all the way to the ground floor. There we see another door with the symbol of the goddess, just like the ones leading into the sacred springs. We pass through and find a giant hallway lined on either side by statues of saluting robots. A minecart lays in front of us, inert in its current state. But it comes alive as we strike the time stone in the passage, and we use it to pass over the abyss and to the other side. The Temple of Time lays at the top of the stairs ahead. As we come out into the sky above, we hear a familiar, melodic, and beautiful voice singing a song that we know all too well. Zelda, singing the ballad of the goddess and strumming her harp, stands near a shimmering set of gears that appear to float in midair, and the servant of the goddess stands with her. With a broad smile, Zelda turns and sees us, and we begin to run to her. However, fate, in the form of our ever-present foe, Girahim, interferes once more. Yeah, he said it right yeah, that time. I got it. <laughs> With a massive explosion, the collapsed section of wall blows inward, and Girahim flies through the resulting gap. He immediately uses his dark magic to throw an impenetrable barrier in front of us, barring our way into the fight. He runs towards Zelda to stop her from entering the Gate of Time, but Impa meets him on the bridge and uses her magic to stop him from crossing. Before Zelda enters the gate, she cries out to us that we will need the goddess's harp on the next step of our journey and throws it across the chasm. 
Meanwhile, Girahim is wearing Impa's magic down quickly, and she cries to Zelda to hurry into the gateway. With one final massive swing, Impa's shield is shattered, and she falls to the ground. But as Girahim goes for the killing blow, his magic barrier falls, and we are able to jump to Zelda's ally's aid, stopping the demon lord from finishing off this servant of the goddess. While we guard the bridge, Impa and Zelda escape through the gate, telling us to go to the old woman in the sealed grounds in order to find our next step on this path. With the final cry of this is not goodbye, they vanish as Impa drops an explosive spell to seal the gate behind them. Girahim is incensed with rage, but instead of staying to fight, he too vanishes as he goes to further whatever evil plans he has laid. So we are left alone on the bridge in the Temple of Time, No Zelda, no Impa, not even a foe to face down. Just ourselves, the ringing emptiness of the desert, the final words of Zelda and Impa lingering in the silence, and the goddess's harp in our hands. Man, those are just not getting any shorter, are they, Matt? No, they're very much not. No, they're very long. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, I mean, that's that's seriously one of the reasons we love this game so much, right? Like, the, the plot really is beefy and chonky, and it's, I mean, it was about time that a Zelda game got some room to cover some stuff. I mean, in my opinion, it's why it is my favorite Zelda game. Like, this is the main thing that draws me to this game over and over again is just the depth of story and character that's here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was part one, which was the plot recap. Let's move on to part two, which is, of course, our takes. Sam, what do yes. you think about this section of the game? So we kind of just said this, but this is pretty much my favorite section of the game. I think story-wise, wonderful. Um, that little that little cutscene at the end is one of the best cutscenes in the game. And I love between um, the first couple uh, dungeons and this one, how Link keeps constantly reaching Zelda just for her to go somewhere else. But like in a way that makes sense with the story, it's one of my favorite things. Um, but then level design, the way every room has a double meaning, every area of the world has a double meaning. It's just... I think it's so creative and so well done. Well, we're essentially able to fit two environments into one area in here, yep. which which is great. I mean, like two two completely different art styles, sound designs, all of that. I mean, um, it's a really excellent way to to get the most out of um, the geographical space that the developers were working with. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Sam. I think that this is one of I don't know if it's my absolute favorite section of the game. Um it might be. It's definitely up there. There's just so many fun things that kind of happen here. And like the, the time shift zones specifically, which, you know, we were just kind of mentioning how we uh, we appreciate the doubling up of the environment. The time shift stones are such a cool gameplay mechanic um, just in the ways that they kind of force you to do puzzle solving in different ways than we typically do in Zelda titles. Well, that's kind of mm-hmm. what I was going to say as well is like that the time stones are such an interesting puzzle solving mechanic that we haven't seen anything like them previously. We get a little bit of that when we go to places like um, a link between worlds where, you know, you have to use the traveling on the walls mechanic and things like that. But um, it's, it's a very unique form of puzzle solving within the microcosm of dungeons, right? Like you can argue that Ocarina 
Ocarina of Time kind of pioneers this, but that's on a macro scale, right? This is a very micro scale where you're using time stones in many instances within specific sections of a room. Like I'm thinking specifically when you're following the moving time stone cart in the main room and you have to stay with it or you're going to fall off the platforms that disappear from under your feet, like timing those things. It's a really, really interesting way to turn what otherwise could have been a very boring dungeon because it's mono-leveled. There's just some branching rooms. There's a little bit of backtracking, but they turn it into a really fun dungeon. That sounds like something you should bring up in part three, the dungeon map. Well, okay, I will, but that's <laughs> okay. like... like no, nah, it's just, valid. It's valid. On a but broader the, level, no, like yeah. the time stones add life to the mining, the the very intro level of the, the mine. Then you get into the desert where you have to use the time stone to activate the dial. You have to go into the three... Um, the three power stations to activate it. Like, it's very, very well done. I'm trying to think, Sam. You've played, I, I mean, you've played all the Zelda games. Um, mm-hmm. Can you think of any mechanic in any other Zelda games that is kind of similar to the Time Shift Stones? I think maybe the closest parallel that you could draw, there's probably something I'm not thinking of, but what's coming to mind right now is Dark World, Um or low rule, so like Link Between Worlds or um, Link to the Past. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is not the same, but on like a bigger level, having Dark World, Light World, the shift between parallel worlds is kind of similar in some ways. So, I, okay, I'm thinking about it here. I, th- I actually think I got a pretty good one. Um, Oracle of Seasons and Ages. Okay. Because they both have, you know, overworld maps that change depending on in Oracle of Seasons when you change, use the Rod of Seasons and it clears paths or does, you know, it changes the topography. And then Oracle of Ages does the same thing by traveling through time. So I guess that's kind of similar too, but. You know what know. else? The, uh, the, what the heck is it called? The Lens of Truth. Is it called the Lens of Truth? The Eye of Truth. Yeah. Eye of Truth. There you go. Um, not again, not identical, but being able to see platforms with a separate lens, it's got a little bit of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, actually I was reminded of that. Um, there were a few parts in the section of the game where you have submerged walkways underneath of sand. That was so cool. Yeah. And like Mm -hmm. you, and and in this game, you have to look at your map and it tells you where they are, but it's kind of, kind of samey to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, one thing I do find interesting about this section of the game is the enemies are a lot harder than any other section of this game. Yes, I personally agreed. Those stupid electric Bokoblin guys. I hate like, them. Not only do they block <laughs> yeah. your hit, but it hurts you every time they block your hit. And it's super annoying. And then they yeah. stun you and you're like, oh, I got to swing around. Oh, I got to hate them. Well, I mean, what shield were you using for this? I was using the wooden shield. So, okay. I, I mean, I eventually figured out to let them hit first and then do the shield stun block. But, you know, I went into it and I always do this. I know what they do, but I always go into it with a over falsity of confidence, as they say in 21 Jump Street. Uh-huh. And uh, just start swinging my sword and I end up getting you know electrocuted like three or four times. Yeah, can't do that yeah. in Skyward Sword. No, well, especially when I do I've, it again on Hero yeah. Mode. I've gotten away with that with all the other Bokoblins, but this is the one where they're like, nah, <laughs> nah you better fam, figure you out how to play this game. And you know, the <laughs> right? funny thing is I know how to play, but I still didn't. I like got annoyed. So I would just walk over the ledge and throw bombs at them from, from where they couldn't oh, reach that's me. That's a fantastic idea. The other thing I did that worked. Fine. Yeah. The other thing I did that worked was shoot them with the slingshot. 
and then mm-hmm. you smack them around. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm crazy. I I don't disagree with you guys. The electric bokoblins are difficult to fight. I actually was more challenged by the Lazalfos in the Earth Temple than than by these guys. I didn't have an issue. I think the game was willing to reward me for swinging like crazy at the Lazalfos, but not <laughs> exactly <laughs> not the electric bokoblin. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I was probably overthinking the Lizalfos fights because I was doing that whole thing where I was like, okay, they're moving really fast and I've got to like wait for their little movement cues and then I've got to move at the right time and parry at the right time. Nah, yeah. dude, just swing that sword. Well, I was, yeah. I mean, Breath, Breath of the Wild has like kind of ruined me for those sorts of encounters, you know? That's fair. Um, and <laughs> and so I, I guess I still had a bit of that mentality that I was approaching the all these fights from, but especially the Lizalfos. But anyway, yeah, no, I like the... I like the um, electric, uh, all the different varieties of electric enemies that you find here because you do have to think a little bit more intentionally about timing. Um, It's more so about you trying not to get hurt than you just looking for the perfect window to attack the enemy. So I think that that is really uh, cool. Uh, Let's see what. So you were saying, Sam, and this is the same thing that I did, too. Were you saying that you after you got the beetle upgrade, you just spent a lot of time kind of dropping bombs on everybody from a distance? Oh, yeah, I would yeah. like literally clear out every bird and every of uh, the electric toad thing, all of them and all the snails, get rid of them all so that I could just kind of skate through wherever I needed to go. Yeah, I, I love the bomb dropping beetle. It just feels so cool. So that's mm-hmm. interesting to me because each section of the game that we've gotten to prior to this one has had an item that you get in the overworld and then another item that you get in the dungeon. And this one is similar. Um, I know it's not a completely new item, but it is a very meaningful upgrade to one of our main items that we get here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it definitely it opens up a lot more functionality to the beetle, which is an item that already had a lot of functionality. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think picking up the ability to pick up bombs and fly them around alone is super useful. Like it's you wouldn't be able and obviously this is the whole point. You wouldn't be able to traverse any of this area without that ability. And it's really it's also just really fun. Like you feel like a um, what's the what's the bomber from World War Two? I'm I'm not B-12. Yeah, you feel like a B-12. You're just flying over. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to drop this bomb on this guy. That's just really fun. Yeah. So I tried something that I had never tried in this game before. I was running low on hearts uh, prior to entering the dungeon and couldn't find any enemies around to like kill and farm hearts off of. So I saw that there were some pots laying not too far away. Um, but it was like on the other side of a sand pit. And so I, I wanted to see if I could use the beetles attachment to pick up a pot and like bring it to me. Oh, did it work? Yeah, it does. You can pick oh, up. That's wow. cool. Yeah. You can pick up pots and fly them back over to you. Nice. Oh, so yeah, a little pro, pro tip there. Pro tip. This, this particular area in the desert, um, next to the area that you unlock, um, when you get the three pieces, you know what I'm talking about, where you unlock yeah, the area, yeah. there's a little stool. And so I returned to that stool so many times to sit down and replenish my hearts in the middle it's of very, the desert. It's a very useful mechanic to just like pop a squat and be like, ah, yes, mm-hmm. and replenish those hearts. Yeah, no. Um, I wonder, the stools are probably all still present in hero mode, right? I've never played it. I so certainly I don't know. hope so. Okay, I am cool. not sure. I, I might need to double check on that, but I feel like, I don't know. I mean, the health system in this game works a bit different than most Zelda games. I mean, obviously, in most Zelda games, you start with three hearts and then like a hit takes off a quarter or a half or whatever. And in this game, you start with six hearts and each hit takes off an entire 
heart. So there's yeah. a there's a bit more like I mean, I think it comes down to the same number of hits before you die, but also it does change the heart economy just a little bit because one heart equals one heart, you know, it's right. Mm-hmm. You're not left with like quarters of heart for the, for the most part. Yeah. So. The only exception being like environmental damage is normally half. So like any electroshock is only half, any fire damage is only half a heart. But yeah, for the most part, I don't think there's anything that does a quarter heart. The lowest amount of damage you can take is a half heart that I know of. You guys know what's a huge pain. Tell me what? trying to catch freaking tumbleweeds with your bug net before they break i totally agree agree, but you know what's harder cicadas the stupid bugs yes i hate those cicadas i haven't caught a single one i've tried so hard i only caught two and there's like six in this area and i only caught two of them and i'm really mad about it i caught zero so you're doing better than me (laughs) that's okay sam honestly (laughs) i think bug catching is harder in um stick and button mode than it is in motion mode that's the one thing i think that is actually harder yeah which control layout are you doing sam uh all up until this dungeon actually take it back first two hours i played handheld mode all of the stuff that i played yesterday so all of um the first two dungeons first two areas were uh motion controls but then i switched back to handheld mode for the desert and mining facility which are you preferring you know it's kind of hard to say because there's things that i like about both but i think overall i prefer and i can't believe i'm saying this not motion controls i think i prefer handheld mode so i have only played handheld mode so far and honestly i love it i love the stick and button controls that that they have made i think like like i said previously the one thing that i find significantly harder is um bug catching everything else i find to be just as smooth as you know, motion controls, if not better, personally. Yeah, I think uh, the hard thing for me has been switching from one to the other because then I have to kind of take like a solid half hour to reacquaint myself with the controls, especially the camera movement. It's hard switching from only having to use the right analog stick to move the camera to remembering you have to hold down the um, R or the R button. Yeah. That's a good point. I I haven't tried that yet. I I do eventually want to try the um, switch motion controls because they are just generally so much better than, you know, the Wii motion controls. So it is on my list of things to do while playing this game. You know what? I might just do the next section um, with motion. So I actually, when I fired this dungeon up, um, I was planning on switching over to the motion controls because I'm also doing handheld button layout. And I swapped the controls. I hopped into the dungeon and I was really excited to get, I was like, oh man, I, I actually, I'm one of those people who liked the Wii Motion Plus controls on the original mm-hmm. version. And so I think I'm like this. So I get in there and the very first thing that it wants you to do is to calibrate like where the pointer goes on the screen. And it was such a freaking buzzkill. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I know it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but still it's like one extra step of stuff that you have to manage and keep track of. And I don't know. I was like, yeah, I'll say that I used the motion controls for, I don't know, almost six hours yesterday. And, uh, I am also one of the people who was like pro Wii motion plus controls. I thought they were great for the most part. And I was getting pretty frustrated playing yesterday. Um, and I thought, like a lot of people are saying like, oh, it's really annoying. You have to press Y to 
to recalibrate the gyro often. And I thought in my head, it's not that big a deal. You just press Y, like point of the screen and press Y. But I will tell you, it is more annoying than I expected it to be, especially like when you're hopping in and out of using tools and you got to move quickly sometimes and it's hard to figure out where your pointer is. Yeah, it's a little... It's not as good as I remembered the Wii Motion Plus controls being. And I don't know if that's because I've been spoiled by playing with the button layout now, but I don't know. So I ended trying. up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker by any means, but like, I, I think that that's, you hit the nail on the head there, Sam. I've been kind of spoiled by being able to play this game in a somewhat more traditional way. And I don't know. I'm just going to keep mm-hmm. doing that, I think. Um, I actually did end up, though, docking the Switch and playing the dungeon with the Pro Controller. And yeah, which isn't like it's not massively different than playing handheld, but some things were a little easier just because those uh, the sticks on the pro controller are beefier (laughs) and better. Yes. So some things like spin attacks and the fatal blow were easier to pull off using uh, Mm -hmm. using that controller than the Joy-Cons. So that was a plus. I'll have to give that a shot. I have one of those. I haven't used my pro controller yet. I should try that. I've got, uh, well, I, I try to use mine whenever I can just because it's, uh, my wife got me one of those nice color wear, uh, ones, which is, it's colored like a super Nintendo controller and Aww. it's like one. Yeah, I know. It's really <laughs> cool. Um, but like, I almost never have a chance to use it because like, I said, like I said before, I'm almost exclusively a handheld player. So I was like, oh, sweet. I can, I can use my freaking sweet. Nintendo Pro Controller that, uh, yeah. that my wife got me. I have the uh, I have the Zelda Breath of the Wild black and gold themed one, and I freaking love it. Ooh. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to give that a shot. Um, okay, so anyway, lots of lots of fun stuff happening in the overworld here. Uh, I do want to talk real quick about the musical theme for Lenayru Desert. Matt, you and I were saying before we started recording that we aren't huge fans of the dungeon theme, and um, we'll get into that a little bit more later. I agree to some extent, but I do really like the main overworld theme for Lene, for Lenayru Desert. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's I think it's really good, and it's even Me cooler. Too. Just you know, like the whole transition from like when you hit a time shift stone and it kind of cranks into a bit more of like a industrial sounding yeah, version that, of that like, theme. mechanical. Yeah, really cool. I'm gonna play it here just real fast. Need a refresher. It's actually probably gonna go in my headphones, so you might not even hear it. Why do you need to like remember what it sounds yes. like? Okay. We're going to give Matt a second to uh, bone up on that soundtrack. (laughs) This is where I'll cut in the MP3 in the uh, audio. Yep, yep, yep. That's that's yeah, yeah. I'm there. Cool, good, good, right? Uh, so yeah, it's really good. Cool. Um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's so funny. I don't know. Have you, uh, by any chance, have you listened to our episode from that drop today, Sam? No, not yet. Okay, that's totally fine. We were having this this whole uh, hullabaloo when we were recording last episode, trying to remember <laughs> what really the funny. Earth Temple 
theme sounded like and we were just like i mean it must not have been very good because it didn't stick with us and then we fired up the audio while recording and there's this moment where all three of us on the episode are like oh my, oh my god, god. <laughs> so good that was great how did we forget about that so i don't i don't know if it's I feel funny quite as you mentioned that because i my streaming setup is a little messed up right now so i played uh, everything i played yesterday which is a big portion of the game, I had no audio, so I didn't get to re-listen to it. Oh, I listened no. to the desert music today. Stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> I listened to the stuff that I played today. I had the audio for that, but um, I know Skyward Sword has one of my favorite soundtracks out of any Zelda game, so I was really bummed. And I was thinking about how like, I, I was going to have to go back through those areas anyway, so kind of get to experience it again, but... It continues to be excellent. Like each new yeah. section. I, I mean, I knew going into this replay that the soundtrack was on, was going to be one of my favorite parts because it always was before. But like, I don't know. It's uh, it continues to surprise me even past what I expect of it. It's just a really great soundtrack. So lots of good stuff there. One last thing I want to mention before we get into the dungeon map is this game's very unique take on the Temple of Time. Yeah, it's which, weird. It is weird. It kind of it kind of for for veterans of the series, it sort of puts you on on your back foot. Right. Yeah. So like they say, like, oh, go to the 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 gate of time and the temple. And you're like, oh, cool. Temple of time. I know what that looks like. That's pretty dope. And then you like get to the desert and you see the massive Triforce off in the distance. It's one of the most noticeable aspects of the entire region. Right. It's right behind the bluff. I think it's in some instances you see it behind the weird uh, sand waterfall thing that's going and mm-hmm. it's just really noticeable from really any angle. And then you get over there and it's uh, walled off with the white marble. That's pretty classic. And you're like, okay, it's kind of temple of timey. And then when you actually get in there, you're like, wait, where's the roof? Why is there no chanting? I don't hear any monks going, Oh, oh. and like, yeah, it's very, <laughs> very not there yet. Well, I think what throws me off is that the temple at the um, the sealed grounds is super temple of timey by comparison. Um, And then this to me reads as uh, the temple area in which we can use to go through time, (laughs) which I guess is. (laughs) Accurate. Right. Yeah. It's very descriptive. Yeah. True. My my headcanon here is that since the since the gate of time in this temple is destroyed in this section of the game, uh, eventually the sealed grounds becomes the temple of time. And that's the one that we always go to. I mean, I think that's totally fair headcanon, though, because when you look at the geographic location of the temple of time in every other area, it's nowhere near the desert. It's not in right. the Naruto desert, which is what you arguably Lanayru desert becomes. It does move around a bit, though. I mean, yeah, but it's just, it's <laughs> Zelda geography is very not uniform. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. This is totally a tangent, but um, it's not related even to Skyward Sword at all. But I was looking at <laughs> I, was, I was doing some uh, some Googling of Zelda images a few weeks ago. And for some reason, I was I was looking at the Breath of the Wild overworld map and I had never noticed this before. But if you put the Breath of the Wild overworld map up next to the Link to the Past overworld map, all of the stuff is in the same spot. The desert, Zora's Domain, uh, oh. Death Mountain Castle in the middle of the map. Like it's it's all exactly where it's supposed to be. It's really cool. Can I add to your tangent really quick? 
Yes, of course. Uh, something that I was keeping in mind while playing this is the technology see in the Lanier Desert. The technology seems super similar to the technology in Breath of the Wild and the stuff that they're kind of showing in Breath of the Wild too, from what we've seen so far. So I think that that like ancient technology, which somehow existed before Link and Zelda were ever even on the surface, is somehow linked within like the world of Zelda, which we're going to see again. Well, it's so funny because there's and not, you know, the, the the most recent trailer we have for Breath of the Wild 2 is pretty short, but we do get a glimpse of like this one. I don't know if he's an enemy or an NPC or what he is, but he's this big mechanical dude and his styling is much more similar to a lot of the robot dudes we see in this section of Skyward Sword than it is to like the Guardians in yeah, Breath of the Wild he, for instance. He looks like a cross between the Armos and the Bemos from yes. from this this temple. Yes. Like he looks like if you put those mm-hmm. two together and made a baby you get whatever that thing is. <laughs> so I don't know if yeah. that means anything but it's intriguing. It is. Very. <laughs> um yeah. No, that's a really good observation. I was actually going to I was going to mention this in the dungeon map, but since we're here now, the flying enemies, the drones that oh, those are so cool. Yeah, they shoot the rockets at you and then they've got the little death balls that yeah. propeller down. You have to So there's this cool oh, I little love those things. Yeah, I know. There's this cool little musical theme that plays when those are flying at you and it sounds like the guardian theme from Breath of the Wild, like with the yeah. piano Ooh. trill as they like I notice think I should you. I should go it's, listen to it again at some point. Yeah. Yeah, go fight one of those guys and listen to the sound cue that happens when the little balls fly at you because it was like it, it's not it's it's not a cover of that by any means. It's not <laughs> it's not the same music, but it was similar enough to where I was like, "Huh, okay. All right. Neat." I mean, they even have like the the seeming it almost looks like veins running through their body that glow with electricity energy like guardians do, right? Like they yeah. have the the veins that run around and they, they look like they're made of similar, not quite rock, not quite metal material. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it all is very thematically similar and very interesting. It makes you wonder if one of the art leads on breath of the wild was also on skyward sword and was kind of messing around with this section of the game and they were like you know what all of that like fantasy techno that we did in the mine that was cool let's make a whole game out of that (laughs) and it worked and it worked yep okay um let's go ahead and get into part three which is the dungeon map where we analyze this week's dungeon from mechanics to music and more we've already kind of talked about the main mechanic of this dungeon in the overworld which is the uh balance of activating and deactivating time shift stones and the way that that changes the dungeon so i am going to ask each one of you sam you can go first what was your favorite puzzle in this dungeon ah I don't know. I don't know if I can pick out a specific one, but I'll say anything that involved finding something under the dust that you blow away with the bellows because I just really like using the bellows. It's weirdly it's uh, I haven't played this game, but to me, when I was doing it, it reminded me of that. uh, What is it? A pressure washer simulator that everyone's playing right now. Before pressure washer simulator, there was (laughs) dust bellows. Therapeutic. There's a level in Luigi's Mansion 3 uh, where you're, you walk into a room and there's a big pyramid and it's filled with sand. And so you can put your vacuum in Luigi's Mansion into reverse and blow all the sand away. That's not really what they want you to do. Like 
there are specific things in the room you're supposed to do. But if you want, you can just stay in that room and blow all the sand away. And I do it every time. <laughs> it's just so fun. I definitely am guilty of using the gust bellows, which main item of this dungeon and a pretty cool one. I'm struggling to remember how useful it is past the dungeon. I There's some like pinwheels and things okay. that you get to spin. <laughs> so this is maybe more in line with like the Megaton hammer in Ocarina of Time. Like you get it and it's cool and you use it a few more times to solve mm-hmm. very specific puzzles. But like you get some gratitude crystals with it. And it's also an infinite rupee farm for Pitt's mom who doesn't ever clean her house. You can go and uh, use the gust bellows to clean her house anytime. And she'll give you like 20 rupees. It'll oh, be well, so cool. fun. Like I would do that just for free. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like, moderately useful i don't know but it's it's more uh ocd therapeutic than anything well so that's my thing in the in the in the big um sand pit room which which has spiky barrier walls and oh, you've got to love that room yeah you've <laughs> got to bl- you've got to blow away all the dust in order to find switches and stuff do you guys find yourself like blowing away way more of the dust than you actually yes. have to absolutely to every last speck of it it's gotta yep. be gone <laughs> no for sure that that room is almost entirely clean when i leave you left it better than you found it, right, Matt? Absolutely. Yes. The Boy Scout code. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. Sure. I think yeah. so. Kind I'm of. I'm an Eagle Scout. I should know that. You should know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I was in one year of Boy Scouts and said, F this. I'm going to go play football instead. And you were like, nah, I must be an Eagle Scout. I said, F football. I'm never doing that ever. Yeah, just because you <laughs> don't do the sports ball. I do not. Um, okay. My personal favorite puzzle in this dungeon Matt, uh, I, I think it was you who said this a minute ago. Uh, we were talking about the whole using the gust bellows to move the pinwheel platforms. I, yeah, I don't that, know. that was in my uh, plot recap. Okay, yeah. I just think, especially the the long one in the... Yeah, where you got to like walk with it. Yeah, in the room That's right cool. before you get to the boss, like you're trying to get the boss key Tetris thing. And uh, you have to... Um, you have to activate a time shift stone and that activates moving platforms um, and you kind of have to walk. Yeah, so there's a gap between you and the platform and you have to walk with the pinwheel platform as you're blowing it with the gust bellows. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. Um, it, mm. It's not like super complicated mechanically or anything, but I don't know. It's just uh, it's the kind of thing that is a, a real treat simply because it is not clearing enemies out of a room to open a door or like finding a chest with a key in it and progressing that way or anything, you know? And it's also kind of unique, right? Like, I mean, they don't solve, you don't solve puzzles like that in many other Zelda games. It's not a lot of, you know, it's normally like step on a switch or hit a key or like move a block. This one is like, hey, do this thing and move around with it and like figure out how to move this platform from one side to the other. And yeah, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. OK, like what, what's yours, Matt? Mine is definitely um, in the main room leading leading up to the big boss door when you have to activate the carts that have the time shift stones and move along with them. And you have to kill Beemos as you move. You have to use the cart as cover. And then you get to the second one where you have to move along with it, hit the pinwheel, move along with it, and then use the floating platform to kind of stick with like that whole section where it's the moving time stone and you have to move along with it. I, I really like that. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a lot about timing and a lot about um, keeping cover between you and the BMOS that you can't hit. And yeah, generally speaking, I like it a lot. Yeah, no, that, that's another really good one. Well, I, I think overall, 
one thing I really appreciate about this dungeon is the fact that you know that every room that you're in is going to have different elements once you activate a time stone. And so it kind of becomes a scavenger hunt at the very beginning where you're like, okay, I think I think the first thing I've got to do is find the time shift stone. And then you've got to solve that puzzle. And then that opens up a whole other series of puzzles in that same room that you then have to solve. And it, it is a ton of fun because like you were saying earlier, Matt, this dungeon, when you just look at the map, does not look that big. No, at all. Um, but you like they get so much mileage out of the rooms that it does have because you're basically solving each room twice or more. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, one of the things that this dungeon brings is that you you have not only this different set of puzzles, but a different set of enemies. So like whenever you're in the room at first, it's just your general choose and your little um, scorpion thingies. And then you act the, the mini molder Yeah. The mini molder And then you, um, you activate the time stone and all of a sudden you've got Bemos, you've got Armos, you've got the little flying sentry thingies that shoot death balls at you. And so you have to, you have to maneuver around in a totally different fashion for not only the puzzles, but the enemies. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Am I the only one who, thought that the mini molder ox were kind of cute and felt sort of bad killing them no i totally want one as a they're pet cute i wish they were like colorful that's my only thing that's fair a different color than they are but like nice they're still blue. cute yeah like blue or green pink but like Tone less flesh toned I feel like if they had made them anything other than gross flesh tone, then that would have been a step too far. Like, <laughs> and then we, no Nobody one would have killed them. Kill like, please, I'm just going to blow you away with the gust bellows and you stay over there, please. Yeah. <laughs> and they make the cute little That's noise fair. when you hear them go, Meow. you're like treating them like I treat my cat. They like get too close and you're like, no, no, no. no, no and you, no, no, you no. put Stop them over it. there. You Stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I have laptop rules right now. I'm working. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the boss in this dungeon, Boulder Rock? I think it's a good one. It's kind of scary, like the appropriate amount of scary. We'll put it that way. And I, I like that you get to use the bellows in a meaningful way for it, for him, yeah. for her. Yeah. What uh, What about you, Matt? So I I really like this boss. It takes the classic Zelda trope of smack the eyeball to a kind of a different um, place where you have to look at at first you have two claws and you have to figure out which one's about to hit you and you also have to swing your sword in a directional pattern so that you don't hit the the shell and so you're kind of maneuvering around you're in sand and um and if he grabs you that he he gets you he'll hurt you badly if he grabs you and you don't break free um so there's a there's a certain level of risk there um if you don't do it correctly I think it uses the directional sword swinging well. And then um, it's his second phase when he starts burrowing and using his tail more frequently and also throwing the mini molder rocks at you um, it adds a level of franticness to the fight. You're trying to gust bellows, but you've got like 10 mini molder rocks coming at you and you don't know if he's going to pop out and smack you with his tail. So you're just like, oh, my God, I'm going to get him out. So I I really enjoy this boss fight. I think, and this is a minor spoiler alert for those of you who haven't played it, I think they cheapen this boss fight later in the game by adding a Moldorok as just a um, mid-level enemy in the uh, mining cart room. You remember that? Where you have to fight, I think you have to fight two of them oh. at the same time. Yeah. And like, so I feel like they cheapen Moldorok a little bit by doing that. But um, as in its microcosm, uh, the Moldorok boss fight's really good. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it. And actually, I was going to bring that up as well, Matt. Like he becomes kind of a, a mini boss later in the game. And uh, and that does kind of take the wind out of the sails of the intensity of this fight for me. But I mean, that also is only the kind of thing that somebody who's played the game before would know and probably has no impact whatsoever on somebody's enjoyment playing this boss <laughs> the first time. So, yeah, I mean, I remember my first time fighting this boss. I was like, dang, this dude is 10 times scarier than Goma and also harder. And he's like really cool. So I, I think that's that's totally true. So one thing you have to do a lot in this boss fight is use your backwards flip to get away from him as he's lunging at you. I don't know about you guys, but I think did they switch? Ooh, no, you don't actually. So when when he's when he's hitting you with the claw, you can shield you can shield bash him. Oh, sure. OK, well, I was doing most again. This is my <laughs> this is my breath of the wild training here. I do a lot of back. You're, you're trying to do a stuff. flurry rush. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Which you cannot do in Skyward Sword. You cannot. But no. I no, that'd be great. Um, but I'm pretty sure I would have to go look at the button layouts. I'm 90 percent sure that the backflip button is different than it is in most every other 3D Zelda game, because I constantly find myself hitting the wrong stinking button to do that in this playthrough. I actually literally don't know how to backflip on the controller layout. I think I know how to do it in handheld mode, but not on the controller. It's um, it's the same as it works in any other 3D Zelda game. While you target backwards walk a. Well, no, it's it's, it's B. It's B. It's whatever the bottom. It's the bottom button in Skyward Sword. And it's the other button in 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 any other. Uh Oh, yeah. And I think maybe I don't know why they did that, but half the time I find myself like trying to do that and then it just doesn't happen. And I get scooped up by Mulderock and crunched on a bit. (laughs) Maybe I'm more used to it because I play more um other console games so i'm used to a being my jump button and a meaning the bottom button on the xbox controller so like instinctively when i think jump i hit the very bottom button that i can find so because you're a real gamer you were better at this because i played destiny i was better at this what does that have to do with anything (laughs) because i'm a real gamer because i'm playing on console where the a is the jump button oh i get the connection i was like destiny what does that have to do with okay for all the backflips and you got there eventually yeah right so many (laughs) backflips in destiny not really certainly not on the class matt's playing no i'm a titan main we don't backflip (laughs) i'm a hunter main and we do nothing but backflip sorry Uh, that was a total (laughs) tangent oh my gosh sorry i just i don't know i felt like matt was kind of gatekeeping a little bit there definitely 100 percent so anywho um the toxic gamer behavior right there (laughs) i'm sorry please forgive me yeah um okay cool so i think man i think that about wraps most of this uh this isn't technically actually i have a question okay the armos where you have to Mm -hmm. use the gust bellows to pop the top and then stab the crystals yeah what do you guys think of those do you find them difficult do you find them annoying where do you land i feel like they're supposed to be easy and yet i have a lot of trouble like hitting the crystals for some reason thank you Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. (laughs) I hate these guys. They suck. I I have the hardest time popping the top and then hitting both crystals. Like I can, I can pretty consistently pop the top and hit one. And then I try to go around the side and I'll inevitably not hit the other one. And then I get stomped on two or three times and like, ah, God, they're so annoying. I think that they are easy until you miss and it they're easy unless you don't get both crystals in one go and then they go into charge mode and they're super aggressive and you just get kind of crunched by those dudes yeah um so take them out fast 
Take them out fast. Yeah. One thing that I think makes those guys easier is actually the same thing that I think makes the final phase of the Muldurock fight a little easier than it was on the Wii. And that is doing a stab attack on the handheld controls. It's so much easier. Is way oh, easier yes. than it was. Because Click that, that right was stick, a baby. big, big thing. I had issues with the uh, using the Joy-Con controls yesterday was yeah. trying to stab the Skulltulas. It was not stabbing for me, no matter no, how much I, I stab. Like you, you do the forward motion and he inevitably always does a downward slice. I don't know yeah. why, but he does. Or upward, it's, something not oh, what it's so supposed to be. Yeah. yeah, whereas on the on the handheld controls, you just click that stick and you're insta-stab mode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and while I did definitely still have a hard-ish time with the Armos, it was a billion times easier than it was when I was playing on the Wii way back when because the exactly what you said, the stabbing is just so much easier. Like, there were times I remember the first time I fought these guys on the Wii, I, w- I died, like, multiple times to that room that has two Armos in it um, because I just could not get the stab down. And also aiming the gust bellows with motion controls is a little bit harder, in my opinion, than stick controls. I agree. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So... One thing I love about the Armos and the Bemos in this dungeon is I'm a sucker for when Zelda games have recurring enemy types, but they're wildly different between games, you know? Yeah. Um, because like, so from Ocarina to Majora, for instance, most of the enemies are the exact same between those two games because it's, I mean, in, in many ways, it, like they're on the same engine and they're reusing assets and whatnot. Which but, one is different? I'd come back to it. Um, well, I was just going to say, so like the Armos and the Bemos in this temple are so different than yes, completely than Armos and Bemos and I mean, in any other Zelda game, really. And mm-hmm. I love that, especially like the Bemos, especially it's not super hard to kill those guys because it. I mean, you just you do swipe, swipe, jab and they're done. But like they look so cool. They have they this look really cool. They have this ancient totem look to them. Yeah, I love it. Um. So one thing I accidentally learned about Beamos in this dungeon is you can actually shield stun them. If they, when they are coming at you with the beam, if you, sh- if you time your shield bash correctly, it will shoot the beam back at them and it'll stun them. Like oh. you don't necessarily have to do it. It doesn't help you other than them not shooting at you for a brief period of time, but just a cool thing. That is good. I did that not cool know thing. that. Yeah. Also question, follow up, which enemy type is different in Majora's Mask versus Ocarina of Time? I can't think of one. The the enemies that are the same between the two are the same. Like, right? There's no enemy in. There's no choose in Ocarina of Time, for example. But like, right? They, there are extra enemies in Majora's Mask. But like, I don't know when you see a freaking. I don't know. Because um, the Dodongos are all the same. Yeah. Um. The Poes are all the same. The Keys, the Skulltulas, the Gold Skulltulas are all the I'm same. I'm thinking the really Zolfos. hard. Yeah. So am I, Sam. What about Deku Scrubs? Are they ever different? No, no. maybe not. They, I mean, like Except aesthetically you are a little Deku bit. Scrub, but that's different. Like, right. like some of them are orange versus green, but no, they're all the same. Um, yeah, I mean, Majora's Mask picks up extra enemies, but the enemies that are in both games are the same in both games. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I just, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, um, yeah. So, it, Sam, do you have anything else you want to say about the dungeon itself before we move on? Um... I will say that this is, aside from being um, a good dungeon in Skyward Sword, I think it's my favorite sand desert based des- dungeon in the Zelda series. Really? Yeah. You like this one than the Spirit Temple? Yeah. You know why, though? 
I'll tell why? you why. Tell because me. I like to control the sand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like like I don't like the any like quicksand mechanics. It's not my favorite thing. I they oh, scare I me. <laughs> and so like same with like sand bosses, which there are plenty of in the Zelda series, in which you have a high probability of sinking into the sand. Uh, I like that there's a level control of control in this one that there's not in other Zelda series, other Zelda games. That's interesting. I, I see where you come, where you're coming from there. Spirit Temple is still my personal favorite. Um, but I do want to say one thing about the quicksand mechanic in particular. If there was one thing I could remove from this section of the game, it's the overuse of the run through quicksand mechanic. Yeah. I don't love it. There's a lot I, of it. I don't feel like it adds enough to be as to be used as frequently as it is. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. I mean, stamina management is not is not super fun in and of itself as a as a puzzle solving or as a, as like a progression mechanic, you know. But um, I know that may sound a little hypocritical from coming from somebody who's like Breath of the Wild is their favorite Zelda game. But like, I, I think that since this is a static stamina wheel, you can't upgrade it in any way. And since they get a lot of mileage out of knowing just exactly how far you have to sprint before you can get to another platform. They use it a lot. Yeah. I mean, like I'm thinking of all the puzzles that were there where you had to sprint through quicksand, they could have just as easily made it a pit. You had to cross where you had to bomb some stuff to create a platform that would have been more satisfying because they could have hidden it a little bit better. The only stamina management puzzle solving that I do really like is the conveyor belts that you have to run across that drop the alternately drop the spiky rocks versus the stamina um, fruit. Oh yeah. Like, yeah those yeah. are fun, but mm-hmm. just like running through some quicksand to try to get to the next Island. This is like a bug. Yeah. The other yeah. piece of that is visually. I don't think that's the most appealing because in order to make enough space for that mechanic, it's basically just a big pit of quicksand with a few enemies. Right. And I think it could have looked a little better. I like colors. Right you, so. right you are, Sam. Right you are. Okay, let's get into part four where we talk side quests. Sam, did you get up to any side questy shenanigans while uh, while you were trucking through this section of the game? So I did, but I'm sure I'm behind where you guys are with side quests. I have just started um, the pumpkin. I just bought the pumpkin soup to the night commander and uh, I triggered the side quest. I think everyone triggers the side quest after finishing the second dungeon with the missing child. But I didn't do yep, anything Kukio. with it, so she's still missing. <laughs> oh, you didn't go find Kukio? <laughs> no, she's around somewhere. <laughs> ah, poor Kukio. Yep. Well, at least we know she's okay. Her dad seemed not worried, so that's fine. <laughs> her, her mom was definitely <laughs> freaking out, but her dad was like, hey, you see Kukio around, just like, you know, let me know. Kukio's been gone for like <laughs> two weeks while you're solving dungeons, and dad's just like, nah, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's fine. okay. She's probably fun, like playing. It's, yeah. I'm not worried, so. (laughs) What about you, Matt? Side quests? So I did a lot of side quests this week. So um, I've already started the pumpkin stuff. I delivered the night, the pump, the soup to the night commander last week. So this week I did the pumpkin balancing quest, which I actually got in one try. I didn't find it all that hard, honestly. Um, Much easier on stick versus motion control, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what else to do. I did all of the gratitude crystals that you can do at this point in time. So, uh, that is saving. Oh, what's her name? Piper. 
the sister and brother combo. Uh, I don't remember their names. There anyway, uh, she, her Piper. bird crash landed. So I went and saved her. I got five gratitude crystals from her. I went and talked to her brother. I got five gratitude crystals from him. Um, I, I talked to Fledge at night when he's doing his push-up thing, but you can't progress that until you can buy the stamina potion, which isn't until this next week's section of game. What else did I do? Um, and I found some gratitude crystals just around Skyloft. I bought the extra wallet from Beetle. I bought the treasure medal from Beetle. I collected all of the goddess chests that I had activated. <sighs> I started to do the bamboo slicing thing. I did like two rounds of it and stopped because I you can't complete it with the short goddess sword. You have to at least have the long sword. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Can I mean, I all the stuff that I did. What size is that? How 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 many rupees can both of you hold at this point? Eight hundred. I mm-hmm. want to say I'm at six hundred. At the moment, I I think I did some very strange item management in the beginning of the game. <laughs> I can hold twelve hundred rupees. Oh my god! Wow, how? how did you do that? I just I don't know. I was like, I can't afford anything. Oh, I can afford another wallet. Okay, okay, <laughs> so well, that's I fair. So I bought going. the extra wallet from Beetle, and I got the big wallet from Batro, which ups you to five hundred base, and then the extra wallet gives you a three hundred, which I got to eight. I think I have, I have purchased not. a lot of wallets. I just keep well, buying hey, them. But that wallet <laughs> is now full, right? So, I mean, clearly it paid off for you. Well, yeah, I'm at, uh, I think right now I have at least 1,100 rupees. I could buy anything I want. So, actually, that's <laughs> that probably not accurate. true. I think there's uh, something, what was it? One of the medals that Beatles had was, I don't remember. I think so there's something like I can't a afford. bug medal that's like 1,200. Hmm. I don't need a bug medal. No, I don't, don't think I do. Metal. Not uh, not not buying Beetle completely out of his business just yet. The treasure mm-hmm. metal, however, is so useful. Oh, I got that one, dude. Like you get nothing. So I was grinding for materials for a long time to try to upgrade my wooden shield to the better wooden shield before going down. And without the treasure metal, I went through that stupid cave like six times. And like, as soon as I got the treasure medal, I'm running around on the surface and like every other enemy is dropping something for me. Wow. I need that. Yeah. Yes. Definitely recommend it. Definitely need it. If if upgrading shields and items is kind of high on your list of priorities, especially shields, then the treasure medal is a big deal. Especially um, if, if you're trying to collect some tumbleweeds, just head down to the desert with the treasure medal equipped and they appear way more. Yep. than they which which is oh. nice because like two-thirds of them get away from you and break so <laughs> yeah i yeah. mean i got like six ancient flowers like 10 tumbleweeds and a thousand wow. of each of blobs and um monster claws matt is rich in tumbleweeds i have two tumbleweeds Aww. so sad i'll give you some of mine no, okay. I want to earn them myself. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I respect that. I believe in you, Sam. I believe in your ability Thanks. to get, I don't know, at least five more tumbleweeds. I will How about go get the treasure medal and then I will go back. <laughs> I'll trade you like two tumbleweeds for like 500 rupees. Mm, no, I that. want, uh, 
That is a very <laughs> steep price. It is. It is very steep. Yeah, I know. It's like, hi, I will accept 500 rupees in exchange for some desert trash. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, let's get into part five, which is Z-targeting, where we lock onto fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. Matt, what's your Z-targeting pick for this week? The bamboo forest guy who um, has the largest beer belly in the series and also tries to give you a lot of tips on how to swing your sword quickly, which, so I've been doing a boxing program for my workout recently. So all of those side to side motions takes a ton of core strength. I don't know how that dude is cutting bamboo the way he claims that he is with that kind of beer (laughs) belly, but I respect his gumption to tell me how to do my sword slicing. I just have questions about that dude's outfit. Right? <laughs> like, does he, who's he, is he trying to impress somebody? Does he think he can fit into it when he really can't? Like, I don't. Well, I just don't understand. Like, what's up with the pink gloves? Like, he's got, True. he's got pink elbow length gloves. And I mean, I, I'm not here to, to rag on the color pink, but they kind of look like kitchen gloves, like rubber kitchen they, gloves. Yes, <laughs> like cleaning gloves. <laughs> also. It's weird. He has a fingerless. That is the only katana in all of Skyloft. Everybody else has a broadsword. Okay. Where do you get a katana? So he's got fingerless cleaning gloves and a katana. I also just pulled up his picture because I haven't found him yet in the the game that I'm playing right now. And I do not remember him having little heart patches on his knees, but he does. He, oh my God, he does. He's got heart patches and then like ballet slippers and fishnet socks. Man, maybe so, chain mail. I don't know. Oh my god! So it's like it's like a kid, like your friends. I don't know, five to seven year old kid who like wants to dress themselves, and <laughs> that's this guy. Except he went and opened a business after he did that, and he has a daughter. The or, item check chick is his daughter. Beatrice is his daughter. Beatrice is his daughter. Beatrice. Yeah, dude. Your dog just ate a cricket. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> a little aside there. Sam, I'm going to give you uh, two seconds to plug your excellent cosplay now that we're talking about it. Oh, uh, I, I cosplayed Beatrice. That's all I have to say. You did. It was, it <laughs> was fantastic. It was awesome. I literally, yeah. I made most of the costume and wore it like the night before I had to fly out for a family trip. So... I literally like threw it on and I filmed like three TikToks and I ripped it off and the wig is way too tight and it like permanently marked a line across my forehead that was there. Not permanently. It was there for days though, because that's how tight the wig was. (laughs) Uh, And so now I'm like dreading ever having to put that wig back on, but I do have the cosplay. Yeah. But can you make the the noise is what I want to know. Like the Beatrice. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> that's better than i can do i thought you were i thought you were gonna say like the sigh i think she goes like uh like at some point oh, she definitely no does. but i can eye roll like beatrice Ooh, that's fair well that's like half the costume right there yeah i think so okay it's mostly okay. makeup like if you just put them all and you're good okay fair enough uh sam do you have a z targeting pick for this week uh, my Z targeting pick is a boring one, but I'm going to say Zelda and I'm going to say Zelda for being the MVP who thought ahead to throw the, um, goddess harp over to Link <laughs> right before she entered the, um, time portal thingy. 
Oh, super Zelda. clutch, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I love it because it's got big Ocarina of Time vibes, right? Like, I mean, Zelda mm. in that game is also like fleeing the bad guy and tossing magical instruments at you. Yep. Yeah. Also, the way yeah. she tosses it is super extra. It's like a magic comet thing that she's like, you could have just done like, I don't know, a, sh- a shot put across. But no, you just <laughs> had to like straight up comet shoot that to me. Like, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to you got to believe the goddess harp kind of flies like a frisbee. Right. If right. You, if you I mean, felt it like doing that. be that hard to throw across a chasm that's, I don't know, maybe 20 yards. But if you can do the magic comet launch, then you should that's- do the magic comet launch. Right. Okay, so my Z-targeting, I was kind of going back and forth on this, and especially in Skyward Sword, I've had this trend where I've been picking enemies mostly, just because I found a lot of them to be such refreshing versions of what they are in other games, and like the combat inherently makes them fun to fight. Um, I was really going to try and get away from that this week, but... Ah, screw it. I really like the uh, the Sand Hydra dudes in... Oh, those are so cool! ...in the, in the dungeon. Yeah, the guys with the three heads and then they like they lunge at you um, and move their heads around. And the only way to beat them is by lining up a swipe and getting all three heads at one time. I think that's like a really clever enemy design. And it's the only it's the kind of thing that would only work in Skyward Sword with its combat mechanics. And also, as a by the by on that, I'm terrible at at uh, diagonal swipes. Yes. Um Pro tip for beating those guys, uh, do a perfect time shield block against them and it'll stun them and put their heads all in a perfectly horizontal line. Oh, well, that feels like cheating. I mean, it's fun. Okay. So basically, you're telling me that shield blocking is the way to solve all my problems in this game. Almost all of them, yes. Okay. I can live with that. (sighs) Okay. Good picks, everybody. Good picks. Uh, Let's get into part six, which is our final thoughts, where we try to wrap up this section of the game in a few succinct sentences. Sam, if you have no objections, I'm going to pass this over to you and see how you do with it. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) So final thoughts in a few succinct sentences. Um. When I Your Desert is really sweepingly large uh, and almost intimidating, but... The mechanics help it to uh, feel a little smaller and a little more interesting, we'll say. Uh, But the Lanayru Mining Facility is, I think, where everything really pulls together and allows you to think in the Zelda frame of mind in terms of puzzles in tight spaces that you have to actually think about to solve as well as enemies that you have to actually think about to fight. Uh, and it all wraps up nicely with a strong boss fight and a really solid cutscene, making it a very good section of the game. Well, freaking done. I mean, I don't think I could have done any better. That, Look at that. It's quality. Sam, fantastic. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Maybe maybe we'll have you do it again. I don't know. I feel a little bad for putting you on the spot now, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that <laughs> well, jury's out on that. Um, that has been the Sacred Realms Rundown. We will, of course, be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown covering another section of the game. Before we get out of here, um, we don't exactly have a full listener mail question this week, but we do have a clarifying point from one of our 
patrons, uh, this is just a reminder that if you would like to write in listener mail, we do accept that on our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod. And all patrons are able to write in listener mail, which we will then read on the show. This one comes from Haru the Mighty, uh, who uh, wanted to clarify on a point that we were talking about in the Pharaon Woods dungeon about the beetle. I believe I said something along the lines of the fact that the beetle was a somewhat unique item in the Zelda series and that there was nothing else that really functioned exactly like it. Uh, that is still true, but Haru the Mighty points out that Wind Waker has got a similar functionality around the seagulls that you can use to hit switches and set off bombs and pick up hearts and rupees. So there you go. Seagulls and Wind Waker are the precursors to the beetle. Well, thank you, Haru the Mighty. I've never played Wind Waker, so now I'm looking forward to utilizing some seagulls. Question, though, do the seagulls die when they set off the bombs? Because if they do, I'm going to feel real bad about it. I'm going to say no. I don't think so. <laughs> but I don't know. Okay, good. I hope not. They don't show it if they do die. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they die off screen. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, there's this great thing that happens in Wind Waker. When you use a seagull to set off a bomb, the seagull actually gets a game over screen. (laughs) (laughs) Splatters their guts around and it's just real graphic for a kid's game. Oh, God, that would be terrible. No, nothing, nothing like that. Everything that dies in Wind Waker goes in like a a cloud poof. So it would be like that. At least it would go in a cute way. That's true. But I do think the seagulls are fine. Okay. I think so, too. Bomb-proof seagulls. It's a good invention. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, hey, train in the background. Yeah, uh, we're recording outside again this week, by the way, everybody. So if you've heard any noises throughout this audio file, that's why. The weather is just too stinking nice for us to not want to do this. So absolutely. Spirit tracks. Ooh, hey, look at that. Another Zelda game. Bet you five bucks I'm going to cut in the spirit tracks overworld theme in this little section. bet you because you do the audio editing so bet me matt let me take your money <laughs> no <laughs> uh, uh. one one thing we do want to call it also guys is if you want to talk to us on twitter or instagram you can always uh, hit us up in the comment section we do have a comment from one of our listeners that i'm going to cover once we get to a later section in the game regarding the hylian shield um it's a very interesting point that was called out in our twitter mentions so when we get there we'll talk about it but That's- i don't want to i don't want to get ahead of the game there that's going to be like the last section of the game then not for me i always get the hylian shield as early as i can well but don't you have to beat the boss rush mode and beat all the bosses in it to get the hylian shield no you won't no you beating all of the bosses and boss rush gets you another piece of heart it's the hylian shield is like the second or third to last okay all right okay cool I always do that, but I don't have like a clear memory of what I trust you. You know, this game backward to <laughs> backward to front. So yeah. cool. So hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod. If you have any other things you want to call us out on, we're happy to discuss it. Cool, man. All right. Fun week, guys. Sam, thank you so much for coming on and doing this again. It's always so much thank fun. You. Always. Do you have anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, if anyone wants to find me, just Google Nintendo Fangirl. One word. Very easy. Very super easy. Um, yeah, so I think I was talking to Matt about this uh, 
last week or the week before we were trying to we were taking bets on what game we're going to be playing next after this one um mm-hmm. and I, oh it's linked to the past yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a link to the past i think because we're going back to top downs again and i'm 90 percent sure it's going to be linked to the past so yeah i don't know where, where where are you at with the older zelda games sam or do you hold like a special place in your heart for those not I, I don't have the nostalgia factor uh, because the first Zelda game I played was Ocarina of Time. The first Zelda game I beat was Wind Waker. So I, I went backwards after I did those. Um, and I didn't play most of the older ones until probably uh, like 20, between 2010 and 2012. So, like, I got, like, a little bit of nostalgia, but not the same nostalgia as people who experienced them, like, when they were playing actual Super Nintendo and NES games. Um, Link to the Past is one of the few ones that I think holds up, though. Yeah, I like, definitely. I'm happy to replay Link to the Past. I'm less happy to replay the original Legend of Zelda, truthfully. Yeah, that's fair. And I was, I've told Matt this before, too. I think that he's going to really enjoy it just because it does hold up a lot better than than a lot of the ones that are older than <laughs> yep i've never played it and i'm very excited to play it yeah cool well anyway we'll definitely have you back on for link to the past when we get into that or whatever the next Gladly. game we end up playing. Oh, i really want to replay that so yeah I'm definitely gonna do that and we have a few dungeons left open in skyward sword too so maybe i'll hit you up in the next few weeks and see where see if any of them have truly like inspired you and we can maybe <laughs> all right maybe work some out sounds there, good though. Cool. But uh, regardless, had a great time as always. Everyone go follow Sam on all of her uh, all of her accounts, all of her outlets. Uh, she streams. She's on TikTok. She's on Twitter. Just uh, yeah. She has a great TikTok, by the way. Definitely go do that. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, rec- that's where you can see my Beatrice cosplay. I know. I've recently gotten on TikTok and I'm kind of addicted and your TikTok is great. Oh, thank you. I'm I not- need to do more content <laughs> on TikTok. It seems like it'd be easy. 60 second videos, but it's kind of not. Oh, I don't make TikToks. I just watch them obsessively. <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> it's it's really easy to just sit there and scroll for hours and then realize, oh, oh I could have been playing Skyward Sword this whole time. <sighs> See, I've done that a couple times already. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not on TikTok, but I trust Matt's, uh, you know, judgment. So oh, thank you. If, if Matt says you have a great <laughs> TikTok, Sam, then you have a great TikTok. So there thank you go. Thank you. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on the finale. Nope, that's an old script. Sacred Realms will be back. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on Chapter Five of Skyward Sword, which covers the Thunderhead and a lot of um, kind of inter- other things. Yeah, kind of some some interstitial events that take place between the front half of the game and the back half of the game. So no uh, no dungeon. Once again, no dungeon. Really, but. you could say first third of the game and second third of the game because really this game has three acts. Well, right, that's true. But this is kind of like the like I mean. 
every Zelda game has got your do three things and then there's a middle bit and then you do like three more, more, things. more temples after that, you know? Oh, that's fair. So this is our middle bit. And anyway, that's what we're going to be covering next week. We would love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. Skyward Sword can be played on the Nintendo Wii or Wii U in its original form. You shouldn't do that. You should play it in its HD remaster on the Nintendo Switch because that is the best version and is the one that we're playing. It's the bomb.com. Amazing. In the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch you guys next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel in Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. Bye!